This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. We have been studying something I consider the most exciting and the most consequential uh, topic of discussion. The Foursquare Jesus or the Foursquare Gospel. Um, I actually preached this message in a church in Johannesburg, first Sunday of September. If you would like to listen to that message, which is a sum total of everything that we'll be teaching for the for the past couple of uh, several weeks and for the past, so next few weeks, if you get in touch with me, I'll give you the link to that message. Now we've spent more time than I thought and planned looking at Jesus as Savior from sin. In my mind, the next most natural progression from salvation from sin is Jesus as healer, mender, restorer, and a renovator or a renewer of all that is good and godly in us. The reason we teach these things is not just to uh, satisfy a religious itch. It is our, our hope our aim, our purpose, our desire, our expectation, and our faith that as you receive the revelation of truth, you will experience the freedom that is packaged in those truths. You see, grace comes with truth. According to John chapter 1, it says, The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. So i like you to be expectant. If you listen to the teachings on Jesus being the savior from sin, the power of ungodly habits, the power of habitual sins, the power of secret sins, the power of presumptuous sins, the power of uh, uh, the sins that make, that trip you, besetting sins, are broken experientially and practically in your life. So, as we go into Jesus as healer, as mender, as a restorer, as a renovator, as a renewer of all that is good and godly in our spirit, soul, and body. I want you to expect physical healing in your body. I want you to expect emotional healing in your emotions. I want you to expect healing in your mind from anything that is not of God. Because the truth, when you know it, according to Jesus, makes you free. Now let's take our text for this wonderful study. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, let's begin from verse 14. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 14, we read through to 17. I'm reading from the King James Version. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his mother, his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose, and she ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. He healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, 
saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That is a loaded passage of, like all scripture, that is a loaded passage. There are layers and layers and layers of truth that would take us a lifetime to practically and, and, and exhaustively lay out, understand, and imbibe into our beings. But in the next few weeks, we're trusting God to enable us not just to understand this passage, but to live it, to experience it in our own lives practically. Jesus came into Peter's house. His mother-in-law had a fever. What will the modern preacher do? He will whip out his, um, his doctor's addresses. Nothing against doctors. A modern preacher will begin to discuss all kinds of analgesics and pain relievers and, and uh, fever medication. Not Jesus. He touched the hands and the fever left. And she rose and she ministered to them. That simple miracle advertised the ministry of Jesus. So much so that when the evening came, many were brought to him, possessed with devils, and he cast them out with his word. I like you to notice the simplicity with which Jesus healed the sick. No ceremonies, no elaborate performances. Once or twice we saw him spitting in the mud and things like that. But the majority of the ministry of Jesus, the healing ministry of Jesus was accompanied with such simplicity. Anybody could do it. He took the hardness, the difficulty out of it and brought it within the realm of anyone who would believe. And so in the evening, as the miracles went forth, as the testimonies and the noise of what God had done by the hand of Jesus went forth, people brought their sick family members, friends, spouses, children, and many were possessed with devils. Many were healed of different kinds of diseases. Jesus cast out the devils with his word and healed all that were sick with simplicity. Verse 17 tells us, He did these because Isaiah prophesied 800 years plus minus before this time that himself will take our infirmities and himself will bear our sicknesses. Now let's begin with a couple of questions, a number of questions. Why did Jesus heal at all? If you say Jesus healed because he had compassion, because he was merciful, because the sufferings of the people touched a nerve within him, you will not be wrong, but you will not be complete. So it is true, he healed because of his compassion. The Bible says Jesus looked over out at the people that came to hear him, and they looked like a sheep, a flock of sheep without a shepherd, without a protector, without a guide. They looked lost. And so he had compassion on them. So he taught them and then he healed them. So to say that Jesus healed out of compassion is true, but there is more reason why he did it. If you say that Jesus heals because he has the power and the ability to heal, you will not be lying, 
Once again, you'll be right, but you will not be complete. Jesus healed because he had compassion. Jesus healed because he had ability to heal. Jesus healed because he had authority to heal. But I think the most important reason or the reason that holds all of this together is that Jesus healed because it was the will of God to heal. I think that's the biggie. That's the real crux of the matter. So Jesus healed because of compassion. Jesus healed because of authority and ability. But if it was not the will of God, Jesus could do nothing. Jesus healed primarily because that is what the Father's heart is. The Father does not want his kids sick. The Father does not rejoice when his kids are sick. The Bible says, he that touches us, in Zechariah, he that touches us touches the apple of God's eyes. How kindly would you take to anyone trying to poke the apple of your eyes? The Father is hurt by our hurts. The Father is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. The Father weeps when we weep. The Father is in pain when we are in pain. Just like we natural parents are in pain just to see our kids in pain. Healing is the will of God. Second question. Why did Jesus heal all? If Jesus healed once in a while, that would still be a big deal. If Jesus healed half of those who sought him, that would be fantastic. If Jesus healed the majority of those who came to him sick and possessed with devils, that would still be fascinating. But no, he didn't heal 99%. The scriptures says he healed them all. Look at Matthew chapter 12 and 15, just to support that thought. Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. Maybe we should back up to verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. Why do they want to destroy him? Because he had healed on a Sabbath day. So Jesus was willing to risk being destroyed by the religious elites of the day. But he went ahead and healed anyways. So how important is divine healing? How important, let's say this, how important was divine healing to Jesus? That he will risk the ire and the anger and the, and the vengeance of the religious elites who could physically kill him and who eventually killed him. So, they went out, held the council against him, how they might destroy him for healing on a Sabbath day. Verse, 12, verse 15, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. I thought it was curious and strange. When the early church in the book of Acts chapter 4, after they had been beaten, threatened, thrown in prison, and warned never to preach in the name of Jesus again, went back to their company, and they went into a corporate prayer that was so anointed and so on point, it physically shook the building. And what did they pray for? Did they pray for protection? Did they pray for for the anger of the enemy to be uh, to be abated? No, they prayed for boldness 
to do what caused them the persecution, to do what caused them the pain, to do what caused them the weeping and the threats and the warnings. This exact, they, they, they learned that from Jesus. He had just healed a man with a paralyzed hand. On the Sabbath day, the religious elites are mad with anger, with jealousy, with rage. They want him destroyed. They want him annihilated. He ran, he, not, he, he withdrew from public appearances into a quiet place. But because the testimonies of healings had gone so far abroad, people located him, found him. And what did he do? He continued to heal them. The same healing that got him in trouble, he continued to heal them. Don't you want to be like Jesus? Most believers today, if obeying God brought a backlash, they will stop obeying God. Not Jesus, not the early church. The more the backlash, the greater obedience, the greater boldness needed not to quit, but to do that which aggravates the enemy so much. But really, my focus is the last phrase of verse 15, Matthew 12 and 15. But when Jesus knew it, that they planned to destroy him, he withdrew himself from thence, and, the, and great multitudes followed him, and Jesus again healed them all. Healed them all. Not a few, not most, not the majority. Jesus healed them all. Why does he heal them all. Luke chapter 6, verse 29. Let's look at what that says. Further buttressing the fact that Jesus healed them all. Luke chapter 6, verse 29. I think I missed that scripture. It says, buttressing the same fact, he healed them all. He healed them all. Sorry, it's verse 19. Verse 19. And the whole multitude sought to touch Jesus. I wonder why. Because somebody touched him who had been bleeding for 12 years. And the bleeding ceased. You know, the modern church largely does not believe in miracles, does not expect miracles, does not practice miracles. But then the tiny portion of the church that does believe in miracles, we advertise miracles because we don't have real miracles. You see, it's, it, it should be the other way. Miracles should advertise the church. Miracles advertise the ministry of Jesus. Miracles advertise the ministry of apostles. They didn't advertise miracles. Miracles advertise them. Father, change this, putting the cart before the horse that is afflicting your church today. If genuine miracles happened in our churches, we would have no space for the seekers. If our churches will gain the reputation of a place where sicknesses are healed, where prayers are answered, we would drive people away. We would turn people away from the services because the need is so great. In spite of advancement in technology, in science, in medicine, diseases are, are exploding at an alarming rate. Even diseases that have no names. Scientists are taking ordinary flu viruses and weaponizing them and turning them into lethal weapons. They're taking ordinary influenza viruses and turning them into weapons of mass destruction. So, Jesus... Verse 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, 
for there went virtue out of him. It was not a religious ritual. Real virtue went out of him. And what did he do again? He healed them all. Why did Jesus do that? One thing we notice is that whether small or great, whether it's something as simple as a blood flow being stopped or pain being removed, or whether it is creating brand new eyeballs in someone born blind, creating brand new eardrums in someone born deaf, or growing out limbs. For many came to Jesus who were maimed. It means they are missing hands, they are missing toes, they are missing feet, they are missing bodily parts. And brand new body parts would grow out as Jesus ministered to them. Whatever the case may be, Jesus approached sickness and disease the same way, with authority and with simplicity. An ancient warrior once said, He who wishes to be obeyed, must know how to command. He who wishes to be obeyed must know how to command. Jesus obviously knew how to command demons, sicknesses, and diseases. And when he did, they obeyed because they have met a man who could command them. It is time for the church again to take the mantle of Jesus. It is time for the church again to learn how to command, how to command the dark angelic forces, the fallen angelic realm, the demonic realm. The church must learn again to command sickness, disease, and pain and curses and have them obey. No matter what Jesus was dealing with, if it was a headache or stage four cancer, he dealt with them the same way. Because as far as heaven is concerned, there is no difference in magnitude. Just like in the realm of sin. Sin is sin. There are no small sins. There are no cardinal sins. There are no venial sins. There are no mortal sins. Sin is sin. And Jesus died to take away the authority and the power and the presence of sin. In the same way, Jesus dealt with sickness, whether small, whether great. And not once. Not once did Jesus say to a man or a woman in difficulty, in pain, I do not want you healed today. Why don't you come back tomorrow? Even Solomon, the preacher said in in, uh, Proverbs 3, he says, don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow for something they need that you have with you. That's unrighteous. If you have it with you, why ask them to come back tomorrow? Jesus never said to any person, not even one, Not even one. Come back tomorrow. I will heal you tomorrow. I do not want you healed today. Why? Not just because he had compassion. Not just because he had the ability to do it. Or the authority to do it. But especially because it is the will of God. Healing is the will of God. Many of us do not know that. Some may know it in their heads but they don't know it's their hearts. Jesus would have given us an excuse. Jesus would have given us an exit strategy to be able to say, well, he doesn't always want to heal. But we didn't see him do it once, not once. Everyone who came and touched him were healed. Luke chapter 5, 
Many came to hear and to be healed of their diseases. For the power of God was present to heal all. The power of God was present to heal all. It is his will that all be healed all the time. Every time, if you have any pain in your body right now, it is his will that you be healed. If you are a believer, he has already made the provision for you to be healed. If you are a believer, that sickness, that disease, that symptom is illegal, is occupying your body. That sickness and disease is a squatter, an illegal squatter, has no legal authority to be there. And the provision has been made for it not to be able to survive and to reside in your body. What do you need? You need a revelation of the will of God for faith, effective faith, active faith, living faith, powerful faith, efficacious faith begins when the will of God is known. You cannot pray with assurance. You cannot pray with boldness. You cannot come to the throne of grace boldly to take grace and to obtain mercy if you have no idea what the will of God is. You will at best be 50% in and 50% out. And that is not what God wants. They that wish to be obeyed must learn how to command. Luckily, fortunately for us, Jesus has already taken the difficulty part, difficult part out, and he has left us, left us with a simple part. Lord, I pray for a revelation today. And in the upcoming weeks, for my friend, my brother, my sister, I pray that they will encounter Jesus as healer, as mender, as restorer, as renovator, as a, a renewer, spirit, soul, body, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And if there be anyone listening right now and you are not born again, Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're involved in religion, even the Christian religion, but you haven't met the Christ. You're involved with the principles of Christ, but you don't know the person or the presence of Christ. Today is your appointed day for salvation. Say with me and mean it from the depth of your heart, Jesus, save me from my sins. I'm a sinner, hopeless heading to hell, apart from grace, apart from the cross. Today, I confess my sinfulness, and I ask that the blood of Jesus washes me clean and white as snow. Write my name in the book of life. Make me a brand new creature. Give me an inheritance among the sanctified ones. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all you did for me on the cross, that you died, you were buried, you resurrected, you ascended to heaven, and now you're seated with, with on the right hand of God, and I am with you in your burial, in your death, in your ascension, and in your exaltation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.